And with that, I want to encourage you to take out your outline. Because today we're going to talk about something very important, especially on Father's Day. And it's this, it's called keeping on track. Now many of you have donned these things in the past. Some of you are not even familiar with what they are. These are called running shoes. You put them on when you go to run a race. Now, for many of us who didn't have money, we had to run in bare feet for many years, but eventually we were able to buy our first pair of running shoes. But the point is this. People who win at this game don't just don their running shoes and when the gun goes off, run willy-nilly. Where's the inline? Is it that way or is it that way or is it that way? No, they start in a lane. And they know they're supposed to be going one direction. And when they cross that finish line, there's only one thing in their mind. They want to finish strong and where at all possible, finish first. In fact, Paul says that. Run in such a way, using the metaphor of life, so as to win. Now, some of you have forgotten that because I was sitting here today. This sounds a very unusual thing to say, but... Some of you are feeling flat, and you've lost your ambition in life. Ambition is not ungodly. Unbridled ambition is ungodly, and it will destroy your family. But God has given each of us ambition for him first. And some of us gotten smothered. So today, we're going to talk about how to get back on track so that when you get to the end of your race, and I was at another end of race this week as a pastor, I get invited to them all. You can get not one of these crowns, not one of these trophies, but one that will last for eternity. So today, I've entitled the message, On Track. And I looked it up. What's the definition of on track? And the dictionary said, following a course that is likely to achieve what is required. That's what I'm talking about here today. And by the way, fellas, I also want to overlay on top of this as I get going. A few things to hold in your minds here. That your children are watching what you are running after. They are watching very carefully. Doesn't matter what you say or I say. My children, I know, watch what I do with my life. And they are wondering, am I going after trinkets and toys and stuff? And things which will I'm not taking one of those with me. Or am I going after what my heavenly father said? what's important in his economy and his kingdoms. So with that overlaid on the top, I'm going to state some truths here, some truth claims. If we want to have a a healthy, a, a chance at winning, we've got to have a healthy body. And to get that, we've got to exercise, right? You want to be healthy, you've got to exercise. We all know that. Given, duh. Everybody knows that. Now, if you want a good marriage, we all know that you need to spend quality time with your wife. If you want to have a great relationship with your four, five, six kids, two kids, whatever you've got, you need to carve out time to spend with them, quality time. If I want to be a strong Christian, there is no way you can do that without reading the Bible and talking to God daily. And we also know to to, 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 um, have a balanced family life, we need to have a balance between work and play. My mum used to say, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You may have heard that. So you and I, here's my point, already know the right tracks. The problem is we wander off the track. 
you and I have a hard time staying on track with what is important because we get distracted from our priorities and we drift into different lanes and we end up sometimes not even finishing the race. Now part of this problem, I thought about that long and hard, part of this problem comes from the myth that you can have it all. The truth is you can't. Somebody needs to say that. You can't have it all. The truth is you cannot be number one in your career and number one in your church and in your family and in the golf course all at once. You just cannot do that. And most of us instinctively know that that is impossible. You have to make choices between competing priorities in your life. Even when you know, and I know, the important things in our lives, do you ever, like me sometimes, get to the end of the week and say, huh, I worked real hard, but there's still some very important things I did not get done. Anybody else apart from me like that? Yeah? So this week, I reread what the Bible said to recalibrate my head and my heart. It's kind of like, you can get your wheels aligned, and then what happens is you hit something and it can sort of knock you out of alignment. And every now and again, we need to have a head alignment and a heart alignment. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So today I want to have a quick look at what the Bible says about making sure you stay on track and finish with the right prize, not a bunch of junk. Ephesians 5.15, if you've got your Bible, it'll encourage you to open it up. I'm going to be reading initially from the Phillips translation or paraphrase. And the Bible says this, live life with a due sense of responsibility. Not as those who don't know the meaning of life, but as those who do. In other words, since you know, if you're a Christian, the meaning and the purpose that you, that you were made by God and you were made for God's purpose, that you know he has a plan for your life and you can trust him in that. I just want to point you back to Josh a second. And that you were made to know him, that you should live life with a due sense of responsibility. In other words, the Bible says, make the best use of your time. Don't fritter it away, mindlessly pursuing other things. Now, so how do I find time for the things that are most important in my life? The things that are going to count, not here, but in the heavenly trophies. Not the earthly ones, because you're not taking one of those with you. In fact, some of the, my greatest trophies I ever had in business, I threw out a few months ago. Plaque after plaque after plaque after trophy. Top sales award, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Like Paul, I count them all but trash. Because that's where they went. They went to the tip. How do I find time for things that are most important in my life? There are three barriers in my life and what the Bible says in your life that prevent you and me from investing time in the most important things in our lives. These are foundational. And this is, the first one is uber-critical. Unclear values. You may want to write this down on the side because these problems, three problems I'm going to talk, briefly touch on now are going to be addressed in the solution. So the problem is unclear values. That's like saying, I don't know where the finishing line is. Don't know where the finishing line is, but I'm going to run like crazy. Doesn't make any sense because you're just going to waste a whole bunch of time, effort and energy and your life 
if you know where the finish line is. A lot of sweat, but you've gone to the wrong end. When I haven't really figured out what's important, it's endless activity without a purpose. Second reason why I, uh, I find hard to make time for the things that are important is I have an unrealistic expectation of myself. In other words, you and I try to do too much. Let me just put that there. Too much. There's stuff on your plate right now that, should, that God never, ever intended you to spend all that time, money, and effort on. And the third thing is unsustained energy. We are just plain out fatigued too much. We get tired. So when we don't know what's important, we try to do too much and we get tired. We've got no selective filter. And as a result, the important things in life often don't get done because the urgent things are squeaking at us. Now the good news is that in the Bible there are three very clear antidotes to those three barriers in the book of Proverbs. So firstly, the Bible encourages us, especially today fathers, when we are donning our running shoes, we get out of bed in the morning and we run like crazy, week after week after year after year after life, which I just met a guy, I had a funeral this week. We, we need to realign our priorities. Realign my priorities. That's what I need to do to get straight. If I want to find time for the most important things in my life, I have to realign my priorities. We have to decide what's important and to clarify our values. And we have to make choices. Now I suggest you actually make a list of what's important. Boy, if you get that straight, it will save you buku bucks, an awful lot of time, and an awful lot of heartache. The only thing you can manage is your time and how you use that. Your life will either be shaped by your priorities or by your pressures. And if you don't decide what is really important to you, let me tell you, other people will be very glad to tell you what's important. And they will pressure you into their own mold. The world will. So you have to realign your priorities with God's priorities. Because ultimately, his priorities are the only ones that are going to matter at the end of the day. To make sure you're on track, that you're not running on your own track. So you've got to figure out what's important. So what does God value? You figure out what's important and what does he value. And therefore, that's the implication of what I give my time to. I don't obviously want to give my time to things that God does not value. I want to give time to what really matters, what God says really matters. Because I don't have a clue really unless I look at God's word who's omniscient. He knows everything. The Bible says it's actually dumb to try and do everything. Proverbs 17, 24. As I mentioned, one of my favorite verses. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Trying to do everything. So friends, selection is the name of the game. Again, a good proverb in Proverbs 12, 11. It's stupid to waste time on useless projects. 
Otherwise, it's like Isaiah said, I spent my strength in vain doing stuff that actually doesn't even matter. I felt like this week I've been working on one of my programs and I dumped in a whole bunch of data and some glitch happened for the first time in 20 years and I lost about seven hours worth of work. I spent my strength in vain. Oh, it's annoying that was. Anyway, here it goes. So this verse is saying, don't major on minor issues. Life is way too short. And don't give your life to trivial things that won't really matter. Learn the difference between important and urgent. What is urgent is not necessarily important. I'm sitting down with my family dinner, and all of a sudden the phone rings. Now that's got an urgency to it, right? It's saying, pick me up, pick me up. Isn't it? Yeah? Or your cell phone goes. That's urgent, but it's not necessarily important. What's important right now is I'm present with my family, conversing with them. And it's very easy to be pulled from shrill voice to squeaky wheel to ringing cell phone to pinging cell phones into messenger, messengers for messenger. The Bible says there is a right time and a right way to do everything, but we know so little. You may want to circle right time and right way. There's a timing and a choice of priorities. You may even be doing the right thing the wrong way and you're still wasting time. So what's the solution to all of this? To realign my priorities to God's will and God's, which is revealed in God's word. That is the ultimate solution. Calibrate off that. The Bible says, Proverbs 69, we should make plans. Let's just stop right there. Have you got any plans? Have you got plans for, first of all, what you feel God wants you to do with your life? Have you any ambition for what God wants you to do with your life? And secondly, have an ambition for what he wants to use you for in your careers? See, God has plans. He says, we should make our plans. That means that's our, that's our part. Mikey, make some plans. Austin, make some plans. We should make our plans. But counting on God to direct us. It's not just, well, I just want to do this. No, 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 no. God, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Look at his word. See what his word says, because his will never contradicts his word. So God plans. We saw on earth. He planned the earth, and he knew what he'd do on each individual day. Day one, day two, day three. There was a plan, and God gave you the ability to plan. So you need to think through the direction of your life. Philips 5.15, and the Philips says this, live again, life with a due sense of responsibility. Not as those who don't know the meaning of life. In other words, they haven't given a thought to God's plans, God's purposes for their lives, but as those who do know that he has a plan and a purpose. So the key is, don't be vague about this, one other version says. Write them on a piece of paper because they come very clear when you start to write things down. Some of you in this room are business leaders. Some of you are educational leaders. Now I know for, uh, from talking to you, you wouldn't think for one moment of going into a school term without any plan at all. I'll just show up in the classroom, see what happens. <laughs> As a teacher, you'd have chaos. And some of you business leaders wouldn't think too a nanosecond about trying to roll up to work with no 
with no financial plan, no budget, no cash flow forecast, no people plan, no strategy. You wouldn't even think about that. Agreed? My point is this, your life is far more important than your business. So why are you spending hours planning for other people and not even spending one hour on your life plan? That's incongruous. If the future is where you're going to live, you need to do some planning. Some of you are better prepared for death than you are for life. How can you say that? Well, because most of you have got a will. If, if I die, this is where it all goes, to this, to this, to this, and some to my children. You've already got it figured out. But my question is to you, do you even have a budget right now? Let's bring it right to today. Or more importantly, do you have a God-aligned plan on how you spend your life? Because you've already thought about death, and you made preparation for that, but what about now? When I was 26 years old, I still got the spreadsheet. I wrote a spreadsheet and put down from when I, that date whoosh, down to when I around about 75, 80. And I wrote all the major life events that were coming up. Who was going to university at what stage? So no cash flow has to happen there because I've got four kids. And, and I planned that out and said, God, I believe you've called me to prepare and to provide for my family. And I had plans those things. And I thought, well, they're probably, I even thought, took some presumption here, maybe I'll get married in about five, six, seven year window when I need to have cash flow. Because you have four kids get married or three kids get married in 18 months, it takes a bite. You've got to pray in for those things. But more importantly, I planned to leave my commercial role. If I didn't plan, it would never happen. Now, in each of these areas, especially, do you have a God-aligned plan to how you're going to spend the rest of your life? In each of these three areas, you want to rate yourself, just like a warrant of fitness. Now, it's up to you, between you and God. How would you rate yourself in realigning your priorities? Would you say, what, what would you say your kids and spouse say about you in terms of a life plan and about your ambition and what you want to achieve with this short life that we have for God. If you say, I don't have any time in my life for anything but work, I'd give myself about a one. About a one. But on the other hand, if you say that, well, I'm, I'm learning to set up my priorities and I'm starting to learn and lean into them and to live by them, then you give yourself a five or six. That's up to you. But my point is, we haven't come to just learn and be informed. We need to be transformed. And the only way I know that sometimes there's some good, hard self-evaluation guided by the Holy Spirit. So rate yourself. If you say, I schedule my time for the things that are important. One of the things that was really, really, really useful for me when I was crazy busy in business, 300 emails a day, I get the whole week on my calendar. And on Sunday, before I even got to work, I would write in something for Kimberly that I wanted to do that week, something for Helen, something for Josh, something for Steve, something for Nathan. So the important things got nailed into that before anybody else at work had a bite of my time. And each week I'd do that, because otherwise if I found if it wasn't in my calendar, it wouldn't get done. Conversely, if it's in my calendar, it's going to get done. If you say, I schedule time with the Lord, you know what? I have to do that. Because otherwise it's out of bed. What's on the cell phone? Who's messaged me overnight? What do the emails come in? What needs to happen there? 
Don't even look at Facebook before. Because I found if I look at that before I look at Word of God, my, my main mind's already messed up with all the things that are going on in their lives. If I schedule for things, time for things that are important besides work on your calendar, give yourself an eight. Why? Because nothing's going to happen until you schedule it. Nothing. Because you may say spending time with God is important. Spending time with my kids is important. Spending quality time with my spouse is important. Or exercise is important. But if you don't schedule it, it's not really important. Nothing happens until you put it in your calendar. So start setting a date with yourself and the Lord and your spouse and things like that. Number two, second pushback on the barrier is refresh my attitude. In other words, relax, lighten up a bit. Why? Because a lot of the stress in your schedule is self-imposed. And as a result, the attitude, we try to do too much, so we run out of humor and we, we set unrealistic expectations, and the result is stress. The Bible says this, the, the anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. And more people die from worry than from work. And more people worry than work. And there's a lot more to life than work. So God intends for life to be enjoyed and not merely endured. That's the balance of this. And we so get so busy often making a living, we don't have to make a life. So we need to refresh and lighten up our attitude. And I found that, for me, humor is a great way to just relieve stress. It never solves any problems. <laughs> I wish it did. That'd be great. But it does give me a new perspective. It helps me handle the things when I have a lightened attitude. I read about a guy who was late for a meeting one day and he'd gone to the building and as usual, there's no parking anywhere around. And so he pulled into a park, no parking zone. It was clearly marked no parking zone. And he was wrong, but he quickly whipped out a business card and he whipped it around the back and said, listen, um, I know it's no parking. I'm in a hurry. Um, it's an emergency, but I promise I'll be back in 15 minutes. And with that, he stuck out in his wipe and whipped upstairs and went to the meeting. Got to the top of the 12th floor, made his, um, his presentation, ran back down and looked at his watch. Cool. I made it. Only 10 minutes, so I'm even better. But when he got there, there was a ticket in his windshield and a note from the cop saying, take your time. <laughs> you know, we're going to lighten up. Proverbs 14.30. Living Bible says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Lighten up and don't take life so seriously. You know, the first rule of life is don't sweat the small stuff. You know what the second rule is, don't you? What is it? It's all small stuff, that's right. So you don't sweat it. Here's the deal. And some of you, this is a, an eye-opening comment. From God's perspective, your big problems aren't that big. Trouble is we lose perspective. And some of you are thinking, man, if you knew my problems, you wouldn't be able to say lighten up. I'm saying if you lighten up, your problems won't be that big. <laughs> Proverbs 17.22 says, Being cheerful keeps you healthy. It's a slow death to be gloomy all the time. Because medical research proves that too. There are positive changes that happen in your body when you're optimistic, when you've got a fresh outlook, when you laugh. When you laugh, it helps produce more killer T-cells and, and it produces endorphins, which are natural painkillers. There are all kinds of positive benefits when you do laugh. So today, to 
improve your health a little and lighten your load, I thought I'd read a few more that I found of church bulletin bloopers, which were actual misprints. I checked some of these to say they weren't just made up, but I've actually found some of the original bulletins. I love this first one. It says, for those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. (laughs) Thursday at 5 p.m. we'll be meeting at the Little Mothers Club. Everybody wishing to become a little mother, please send a minister in his study. That's a bit on the nose, actually, for an Anglican church. (laughs) At the evening liturgy tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to the choir practice, Ben. (laughs) Next Sunday, Mrs. Vincent will be the soloist of the morning service. The pastor will then speak on, It's a terrible experience. (laughs) Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. I love that one. (laughs) That was on the notice board. The lowest theme support group will meet on Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. God says if you want to make time for the things that are important in line, you have to realign your priorities, lest you drift, and you have to refresh your attitude. Even Plato said life should be experienced as play. That's why they call him Plato. <laughs> so that was bad. Your parents, you parents, have you ever said this? Someday you're going to look back and laugh about this. Have you ever said that? Well, I say, well, why wait? <laughs> why not go ahead and enjoy it now, laugh? It'll lighten the load and it'll make the problem a whole bunch less serious. Now, many times we've been guilty of saying, well, I can't play with the kids right now because I've got to finish off something. Friends, your work is never going to be finished. Never. There's no end of work. That's called life. The other part's called being a great parent. Take the time because before you know it, they'll be out of your home and they'll be married. If you wait till all of your work is done to start enjoying the people around you, it just isn't going to happen. So in God's value system, men, listen carefully to this, relationships out-trump accomplishments in the long run. The world sees it the other way around. If I get the accomplishments, my relationships will just take the pain. So rate yourself on this one. Do you need to lighten up in your attitude a bit? Is work the main thing that drives your life? Does it keep you at the grindstone so you don't enjoy the people in your life? Even the Germans have figured that one out now. At IBM now, at 5 p.m., you will get zero work emails. Stop. They don't don't let them go through the server because they realize the balance of the work-life balance has to be kept in mind because some people are flat-out workaholics. Nothing wrong with working hard, but you need to bound or put boundaries around that work. Are you taking time for other people around you? So on that one, rate yourself, one to ten. Where do you sit on that one? Because if we don't assess, we don't know what to do to move forward. Number three, and finally, on Father's Day, I can't think of a better way to say this but to refocus on God. The only way you're going to get done the important things which have, now let me define that, that, that have great consequences both for now here on earth and eternity. 
Those are the important things, not the trivial stuff. Oh, my thing needs painting. Whoopie doodle. That's maintenance called second law of thermodynamics, entropy. I'm talking about getting the things done that have got great consequences in life. The only way you're going to figure out what they even are is by asking Jesus. If you ask Madison Avenue, they'll tell you it's chasing a Porsche. If you talk to the real estate company, it's buy your third or fourth house. That's what they think is important. That is not what Jesus says. Now, how do you get that knowledge? How do you... Re- Proverbs 10, 27 says, Reverence for God adds hours to the day. If you are short of time, perhaps there are some things in your life that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. Reverence for God means to take God seriously. I mean, really seriously. Like he's first. How many of you here would like to have more hours in your day? Okay. Here's the answer. The reason why we don't have that many hours in a day is we need to lighten up our attitude, refocus on God, and we take ourselves too seriously, and we don't take God seriously enough. You think that the solution is just more time. You know, if you just had a few more hours, then you get it all done. And God says, you don't need more hours, because I already have a plan for you, and it's perfectly matched to the hours that I have given you. He says, you don't need more time. And since this is Father's Day, again, a word to you dads. There are many things that will compete for your attention. There are many things that will drain your energy and your time bucket. Because there's only so much time you have. Many times you'll come home from work wasted and tired and out of steam. And you feel like you've got no strength left to do the important things in your life. Things with your kids. Important things with your wife. But you have no time also left or strength or even desire (coughs) to read the Bible and enjoy God. So where do you get the kind of strength when you're worn out? Reverence for God gives a man deep strength, another version says. So spending time with God daily is the secret to your strength and to enduring to the end and winning the prize which ultimately will wipe all of our earthly trophies and get the heavenly trophy. You ask God for wisdom to make the right choices and you realign and reorder your priorities and then refresh your attitude. You ask God for strength and the wisdom to do things that matter when the world is telling you to do and spend your life on stuff that doesn't matter, a hill of beans. No, the hill of beans. Line it up with the Word of God. How do you figure out what's important? We don't compare one advert to another advert. You say, hang on, here's God's Word, here's His will. What does it say? This is the standard. Now, how does all this line up to that? That'll tell you what's important and what's not. If you say, I know it's good to pray, I know it's good to read my Bible, but I just don't have time to, friends, can I say this as lovingly but as caringly as I can? You're just too busy. Something's wrong. God put you on this earth to do a certain number of things, and he does not give you more things to do than he gives you time to do it. You are willingly taking on stuff which is not God's will for your life. And if you're not getting the important things done in your life, there's only two possibilities here. Either, one, you're doing some things that God never intended, or two, you're doing things that God intended the wrong way. You're being ineffective. 
and you're not managing your time wisely. So we need to sharpen the skills there. Now, God promises to bless you when you put him first in your life. And Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, Trust the Lord completely. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. There is effort required, notice. Now God says, if you put me first with your time, I will make the rest of your time stretch, because you firstly had a head alignment, which made it clear what his will is, so when all these opportunities come flying at you, you can easily bat them back. No, 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 yes because they don't align with this. But unless this is clear, you'll be pushed around with all these opportunities, left, right, and center. Life is short, and you're not guaranteed tomorrow, much less next week. So whatever is important in life, whatever is the right thing to do, do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait till your parents have died. Do not do that. Don't wait till your kids have grown up and gotten married. Don't wait till your spouse's heart has grown cold. Do it now. Do it now. Material stuff will never replace relationships. If you don't do it now, you may never get to do it. Whatever it is. Maybe for some of you it's to pick up the phone today and make a phone call. Or to write a letter to one of your kids. Whoever it may be. Offer that kindness or show that expression of love, or to set up that foundation you've been talking about for years and you've just never gotten around to it. Or most importantly, to tell somebody about Jesus now. They may not be around tomorrow. And there are people around you that God has placed there. You're not there randomly. Tell them about Jesus, because every day you are exchanging your life for something. Here's one day of my life, I'm exchanging it for this. The Bible says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Every bit of time you invest in something, you're exchanging your life. Your time is your life. And if you want to find the most important things in life, you need to give your best that you have to the highest priorities you know. And you need to do it now. It should show up in your calendar for next week. Your priorities should already be there, clearly. So you don't have to second guess. It's already in there. Now, some people, the Bible says this, have missed the most important thing in life. This is the most important. They don't know God. And that's the whole point of life. So let's review the basics. You were made by God. You're made for a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. There is no other name in which you can be saved. That's why you're on earth, to know him and to love him. That's why you're alive. You're made in God's image with the capacity to pray to God and to hear him speak and to comprehend that. Now, Jesus Christ was sent to earth to be the bridge so that you could get to know God here on earth and then you could go to be with him for him. to to heaven with him forever. But you're not only meant to go yourself, you're meant to bring other people along. So how do you rate yourself on this important thing in life? Do you know God? How well do you know God? And then if you say, well, how does your calendar right now, if somebody were to whip it out and say, let's pop it up there, 
Mine as well. My calendar for next week, would it show anything that I was working on towards God's kingdom? Anything. What about for your wife? For your husband? Is there anything special in there for him? For next week? Already thought about ahead of time or you're swamped? One day you and I are going to stand before Jesus Christ who gave his life for you on the cross. And the Father is not going to ask you any question at all about your career. Zero. A career is a means to an end. He's not going to ask you, hey, I need to see your bank account. He will not ask you that. Or how many sports trophies that you won? Tennis or soccer or netball? Or how many Facebook likes you managed to achieve in this life? Or even, actually, how many real friends you are popular with. He's not going to ask you if you stay with the company for 40 years and got a gold watch at the end. He is going to ask you, what did you do with the gift I gave you, my son Jesus, when I sent him to die on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you, an unholy person, could live with a holy God forever. That's the only reconciliation you can get between unholy and holy. Jesus Christ is in the middle. Will you be able to say, one, I accepted him and took the time to get to know God, or was it a casual flirting relationship? Or are you going to say, God, I'm sorry, I really had no time at all to read your word to me, your love letter. I never took the time to really talk to you much. My day, God, and there's reasons, because look at my appointment book. It was so full. I was so swamped, and my commute, that's worse. Look where I was in Auckland. I lost another 20 minutes on top of that. It was hard for me to find 10 minutes a day to sit down and read your word because I had so much else to do. And I believe, respectfully, God will say, do you think I put you on earth to attend appointments or to make deals or to learn to play bridge, nothing wrong with bridge? Or golf, nothing wrong with golf. I put you on earth to get to know me. That's the most important thing. And you couldn't carve out 10 minutes for me? Do you feel comfortable with that now? Back to the verse. God's word. Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Even some Christians don't really know God because not spending time in his word They've drifted off track. And if you extrapolate that, there's a kid's storybook called Tootle. And Tootle was made to run as a train, run on tracks. And one day he was going on this train and said, this is getting a bit boring. And he saw some daisy or butterfly, I think it was, and he hops off the track, a train. You imagine what happens in the middle of the field. Many of you read that book. If you're living for your reputation, your stress is going to be high. If you're living for yourself... God says this, if anyone would come after me, anybody here in that bucket? This is your choice. Let him deny himself, my choice. Take up his cross daily. Did you notice that word there? Daily. And follow me. For whoever would save his life, I'm going to do my stuff because I just want all of this for me. Yeah. Anybody who would want to do that, what does the Bible say? Will lose it. Anyone who would save his life will lose it. But anyone who loses his life for my sake will save it. Who are you living for? 
for yourself or for God's glory that it will give you. Here's a prayer each of us can pray. Final verse, I think it is on your outline. Proverbs 90.12. This is a brilliant verse. Teach us, Holy Spirit, teach us to number, count. Because here's every day I put my hand in my pocket like this. And I put my hand in and hopefully I pull out a dollar bill. I can live for that day. That's all I've got, that moment. And then the next day I come along and I count a whole there's one. And another one comes out by the grace of God. Teach me to number, count as precious the days of my life and recognize, get this through my thick skull, me, Ian Buckley, how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. So you and I have time to make, have to make time for things that are important in our life. God and the people he's placed around you. You can make time for ministry, his kingdom, his purposes, his priorities. Make time to read his word, to share your faith. And those are the things that are going to make a difference in the end and going to last. Brilliant verse, which is poignant right now, 2 Corinthians 3.5. Examine yourself. That's what we've been doing, 1 to 10. To see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. That's what the scripture says. Now write yourself in this one. These three points, realign my priorities, refresh my attitude, and refocus on God. You can pray those three points the rest of your life. To say, God, help me to realign my priorities. Help me to refresh my attitude, Lord. You are God and I am not. Help me get over myself. Help me to refocus on you because I can't get it done. I can't stay focused. I can't find myself. I find myself using my time the wrong way. Unless you help me, unless you get me back on track. And it starts with a decision with what you're going to do with your time. Let's pray. Would you pray this prayer just in your heart and say, Dear Father, I need your help to recalibrate and realign my priorities to your priorities. To sit down with your word and calmly think through what is most important in this one life that you've given me to live. Would you help remove off my plate those things that I shouldn't be doing? The things that you haven't called me to, the less worthy of my life. And help me to exchange the days of my life carefully for the right things. Jesus Christ, would you help me and lighten my attitude up, to refresh my attitude, to realize that you meant for life to be enjoyed and that you put children in my family or spouse or friends or relatives for a reason, or grandchildren. They're not just a responsibility, but they are a gift from you. Help me to enjoy them. Most of all, help me to refocus on you because I can't do it all. Help me to listen to you daily and to put you first. Holy Spirit, counsel me and coach me to pray over my schedule in my quiet time, to lead my family and to read your word for the wisdom so that I won't waste my life and they won't waste their life because they have been copying me doing the wrong things.
If you today have never invited your Jesus Christ into your life, why don't you do that now? And just say, Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for reconciling me to your Father. Direct me from here on out. You call the shots. I want to live for you and you alone. There is nobody else but you. In your precious and powerful name I ask it.